Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. I'm a Georgia Tech grad and a Louisville fan. He is Mike McDaniel. He is a Virginia Tech grad and Notre Dame fan. Mike, first question. we got a great guest on with us tonight to talk about the NC State Wolfpack in 2017. Can you please tell us a little more about this guest? Yeah, great guest and a new guest. So we like having new guys on. And Will Thompson is on with us from Backing the Pack, the SB Nation north carolina state site will what's going on man doing well guys how about you glad to be here with you we're really excited to have you um obviously here previewing nc state joey and i've been you know pounding away at these previews now for the last few weeks so we're really excited to have you on to talk about the wolf pack first question from me uh for you how do you feel about us referring to nc state as the bar and what we mean by that is NC State always wins the games they're supposed to win, always loses the games they're supposed to lose, except that's been the case for 90% of the Dave Doran era. <laughs> so how do you feel about us referring to NC State as the bar and, um, you know, maybe talk about the fan base and, you know, how they feel about that as well? Sure. I mean, especially with how things have gone during the Dave Doran era, it's a pretty apt uh, moniker that you want to give them because, you know, it's aside from his first season where things were just a, they were going to be bad for whomever was there. He, you know, really has struggled to get the team to break through and win, you know, the big game. And they, you know, he's gotten them to the point where they're winning the games that they're supposed to win. And they're, you know, coming up short in the games that they, you know, are not predicted to win, but they've had, they've had plenty of opportunities to break through most notably being the uh, Clemson game last year, which is still difficult for me to talk about. <laughs> I can tell that you're laughing away all the, the pain there. Um, it, it really has been a thing where NC State has really struggled to break through, and they've gotten a lot of, uh, a lot of attention, I think, on the national scale, at least on the SB Nation side of things, for being stuck in a, in a really bad spot, being stuck in a division with Clemson, Florida State, and Louisville. Um, it's as you look at this though, I, I think there's, there's a decent chance this year that NC state might be set up to actually make that leap and, and pass up at least one of those teams on your end. How close does it feel like the Wolfpack are to taking that leap and what's it going to take to actually complete that breakthrough into the top three within the Atlantic division? Um, a couple prayers first and foremost, but, uh, <laughs> You know, it's, that division has been really, really strong the past few seasons. You've got, you know, Clemson, who's, you know, coming off a national championship win. Florida State is perennially a top 10 team. And Louisville has has taken a step um, towards being a consistent top 10 team as well. 
Um, so, you know, it, it's difficult for NC State to break through with that. It's, it's funny, I saw a, uh, a couple of the local ACC reporters talking about at Media Day that if NC State had been in the Coastal Division versus the Atlantic, that they would have voted for them to win that division, which I thought was interesting. Um, but it's for what it takes is, you know, they're going to have to keep doing what the, the, the Wolfpack's going to have to keep doing what they're doing and getting better, um, working towards, you know, trying to break through um, and get one of these big wins. And they were so close last year against Clemson, just a, you know, a few inches back towards the inside of the goalpost and they've set the entire college football world on fire. So it's, you know, they're, they're right there knocking at the door and the way the schedule sets up this year, they've got an opportunity to really take hold of that division early, whether or not they actually do that, you know, remains to be seen. Well, if they are going to do that, it's, it's likely that on offense, a lot of the firepower is going to come from Jalen Samuel I look at him as a guy, so he was voted preseason All-ACC by the media in a position that they invented to be able to include him on the team <laughs> because of how many different things that he does and how hard it is to quantify like what role he plays outside of just the do-everything guy, or as they would call it, the all-purpose position that he plays. Right. Um, it, do you think that it's fair? I, I don't think that he gets a whole lot of attention on the national scale for, again, what he adds to this offense. Do you think it's fair to call Jalen Samuel the best-kept secret in the country relative to what he does produce for this offense? I, I definitely think that is a fair assessment because, you know, he is an unbelievably special talent, and if you if you familiar with the ACC and you watch the ACC football games, you'll know that he is a home run play waiting to break loose at any given point in time, whether he lines up in a slot receiver, if he lines up in the backfield, um, if he lines up way out wide, you know, he can score from just about any offensive position on the field. It's funny, you know, prior to when they had the, the ACC media day and they invented that all purpose designation to give him so he could get some preseason you know honors he was always listed as a tight end on the depth chart which I just I thought was hilarious because he was not at all any sort of traditional tight end but he can still line up you know right there and make a you know quick 10 yard 12 yard pass play if he needs to there but you want to line him up in the backfield and run a jet sweep you know good luck catching him so Jalen Samuels, the ball carrier, uh, is that enough to cover up for the loss of Matt Days? Is it going to be a lot of Reggie Gillespie? Do you think it's going to be a combination of Gillespie and Samuels? I mean, I guess that would be ideal. Uh, but Samuels is going to be a big part of the offense no matter what. So what do you expect out of the running back position now with Matt Days no longer in the fold? Well, I definitely think that Gillespie is going to get uh, more of the traditional you know, running back, let's, you know, line up and try to run up the middle of those kinds of plays. When he came into the games last season, he made um, some pretty impactful plays um, pretty much every time he touched the ball. He, you know, obviously wasn't as featured in the offense as Matt Days and some of the others, but Gillespie's a really strong talent, and I'm excited to see what he's going to do this year. And I think between him and Samuels, that's going to, you know, make up for the loss of Matt Days, which is admittedly, a, a big loss. But you've also got uh, Naheem Hines who can um, help 
in that regard as well. He's got some explosive abilities, and I'm pretty confident that you know between the three of them that they they've got enough offensive firepower from a rushing perspective. So from the quarterback perspective, let's talk a little bit about that. Ryan Finley essentially dropped out of the sky last year, I think, after Jacoby Brissett <laughs> yeah. in the uh, in, in you know two years ago. I think most people expected, at least, you know, as an outsider, I think most expected Jalen McClendon to be the guy quarterback replacing Jacoby mm-hmm. Brissett. And then all of a sudden, here comes Ryan Finley, essentially out of nowhere, transferring in. And then you have Eli Drinkwitz, offensive coordinator. I mean, a lot of moving parts here yes. on the NC State offense heading into last year. So, uh, you know, what's the general feeling of the fan base? I mean, I think everybody at this point must love Ryan Finley. I mean, he was really impressive last year, for, you know, and he essentially came out of nowhere. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think he's I think it's definitely his team this year. You're you're right that there was a a lot of ambiguity as to what was going to happen with the quarterback position particularly at the beginning of last season um cuz you had literally Drinkwitz as an offensive coordinator and Finley fall into Doran's lap, which made for a really, you know, just strange situation to be honest as to you know Everyone had talked about McClendon being the guy, and that was going to be, you know, what we were going to do. And all of a sudden, here comes this guy from Boise State, and he's got his quarterback there, and he's got a lot of eligibility left despite being a grad student. So it was kind of just like a a home run in terms of, you know, the way transfers work, that you've got this guy that you can bring in and he can play immediately. Um, He had a really great year. Last year, despite, you know, coming in to a new team, new surroundings, and, you know, he's got an offensive coordinator he's familiar with, but it's still a brand new setting. And I think with the, the year that they've had, you know, to prepare for this, this coming season where they've, you know, they've got everything that they worked on last year and they had the offseason to work on it and get better, I'm pretty excited to see what he's going to do. I'd, I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to argue that, that – there's any kind of ambiguity as to who the quarterback is for the Wolfpack now is this is Finley's team. So, you know, he's going to be able to run with it. I still think we may see, you know, some, you know, set goal line packages where Doran or Drinkwitz likes to get goofy or maybe they'll bring in, um, you know, some wildcat packages, but, you know, I really think that you're going to see a heavy dose of Finley this year running, running the quarterback position. Well, let's look at the defense here a little bit, where I have bad news and I have good news. And <laughs> the bad news is that the secondary is in a, in a rebuilding stage after last year. The good news is that the front seven is arguably one of the best and most experienced in the entire country. Uh, this really looks like a pretty fearsome unit led by, of course, Bradley Chubb. Um, as, we, as you look at that, do you feel like the front seven is going to be good enough to make up for any issues that might come from that rebuilding secondary? As long as they stay healthy, absolutely. Um, they there's just so much size on that front seven. They're such an experienced unit, and they got a real shot in the arm when Bradley Chubb decided to come back. Uh, there's some question as to you know whether or not he was going to declare for the draft um, and and forego his senior season. But he's back with the team and he's been named a captain. With you know, it's just it's it has the potential to be a really special season for a lot of those guys on the the front seven. They're just unbelievably talented, and they 
they're all over the place in terms of, you know, their tackling ability. They, they cover the field really well and they're fast. And like I said, they're just big dudes. Um, you know, Bradley Chubb being probably the most prominent name on there. Uh, Contavious Street as well, who, if you guys uh, missed this uh, a couple weeks ago, there was a video that, was, that made the rounds on social media of Contavious squatting 700 pounds in the weight room, which Holy you know, crap. Yeah, he's a huge dude. And, of course, everyone in the weight room just went nuts. There were a couple guys just screaming, he don't need a spot, he don't need a spot. <laughs> Which, I mean, I, I can't even imagine lifting that much weight. Psychotic. <laughs> just, like, just making it you know seem so easy. Um, so I'm really excited to see what they're going to do. I'm, I'm also um, really uh, pumped to see more of Arius Moore from the linebacking position. If, you, if you're not familiar with him, that dude is a tackling machine. Um, you look up any of the stat sheets, you know, week after week, particularly from last season, you know, Arius Moore is always going to be in the top three of that list. Um, so there's there's a ton of talent there. From a personal standpoint, you can tell me that NC State has the best secondary on paper, and I'm always going to be nervous as hell anytime State gets into a you know, cover two man on man, and they're just lobbing it up to a corner on an island. That always freaks me out. So, you know, no matter what the the talent level is there, you know, the secondary is always my biggest fear for any any of my teams. But I think the I think the front seven has so much talent on it this year that there's they're going to be able to mask a lot of that because if they can they can get off the ball and put some pressure on quarterbacks, you know, secondary is going to have a lot more ability to, you know, catch interceptions and be a little more aggressive. So we'll see. I, you know, the biggest thing obviously is they, they got to stay healthy. Feels like a 30 for 30 here, but what if I told you that there's going to be a massive rebuild of the front seven in 2018 and 2017, (laughs) it's going to be the secondary leading the charge, a complete reversal of what we had this year. Um, is it now or never mentality, especially with the front seven being as talented as you just mentioned? For Doran, yes. Uh, I'd, I'd absolutely think that that's, that's the case for him. Um, this is his most talented team since he's been at State, and really it's the most talented team on both sides of the ball since maybe even Phillip Rivers was at NC State. There were a lot of times where you know, when Rivers was at State, they had a really great offense, but the defense wasn't so good. And then the next year, the defense would be really great, but you know the offense wasn't as good. And there were some it, there were some times with that when Russell Wilson was at State, Mike Glennon as well. So from a from a completeness standpoint, you know Doran's got a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, and this the schedule really sets up well for him. I think this season to make some noise. He's just got to do it at this point. And uh, I think there were there was a lot of rumblings last year, particularly during the season. Um, you know, is he going to survive the season? You know, it's kind of been this way with Doran since his second season where it's kind of like, will he or won't he or will they fire him or won't they fire him? And, you know, as the season ended last year when they, they beat UNC and they won the bowl game, that really kind of gave him a lot of momentum uh, moving into this season and particularly with how things are going to shape up with how the team looks. So he's got a lot of positive momentum going for him. 
just you know he's got to get the job done this season that leads perfectly actually into my my next question will is as we talk about Dave Dorn and how things have gone so far and kind of where things are at I guess what's the what's the requirement right now to keep him around like what's the temperature of the administration the fan base like is there some minimum threshold of what he's got to accomplish this year before moving on? Or sure. are people understanding that it's a tough situation given the division and all that? Like where do things stand as it relates to Dave Dorn with this, this program? You know, for me right now, I think if he, if he gets eight wins in the regular season, I think he's safe. Um, I think if you get into where he gets, seven wins but wins a bowl game then he's probably okay i think any anything less than seven um you're you're starting to crank up the the hot seat exponentially for each you know fewer win that you have i think for it for the fan base it really kind of depends on what part of the fan base you're talking to there are some that you know really all they care about is did we beat unc and did we go to a bowl and they're happy about that um, but there's, you know, a lot of the fans want to see state take that next step to kind of move into being a perennial, you know, top 25 team, having a consistent recruiting class and being consistently good, um, and playing some, you know, top teams, which they're fortunate to some extent to be able to do in the Atlantic division. But, um, you know, I think, he's got to get at least eight to be completely to feel like he's completely safe heading into next season. Let's talk about the schedule now. First question. Why are you guys playing Furman at 1220? That's such, <laughs> I'm looking at the, <laughs> the game and I'm like, why is that happening? That is, that is a really random time. And you know, it, the only thing I can think of is per the, the gopack.com website that's been designated as parents and family day. So maybe they've got some festivities they're going to do on the front end at noon before the game starts. Um, but those those noon games are always sloppy anyway. So, uh, you know, it'll be kind of a probably a late arriving crowd. As, <laughs> especially, uh, yeah, especially as a, against Furman. Yeah, as a Virginia Tech alum and somebody who's seen a lot of really crappy non-conference games kick off at noon, I can attest to the fact that like 12 people are in the stadium and then with six minutes to go in the first quarter, it's like a sellout. Um, yep. so, and I know yep. NC State's fan base obviously you know packs the house and great atmosphere. Um, okay, so... Now, for real, we'll look at the schedule. Um, you guys open up with South Carolina, uh, mm-hmm. the fighting Will Muschamps. Uh, <laughs> nobody really knows what to expect out of the Gamecocks. I mean, it's a pretty yeah. safe assumption. Um, but, you know, looking at the other non-conference games, you guys got Marshall. You guys do have that 12-20 game against Furman. Uh, you know, I'd like Furman if that was a noon game at 12-20, you know. I'm going to have to take <laughs> NC State there. Um, so... Uh, yeah, tough schedule. Um, you guys yep. do play in the Atlantic, obviously. This plays into our, our discussion earlier about the bar and that whole conversation. Um, at Florida State in September, you guys are home mm-hmm. against Louisville and home against Clemson. Uh, good news is you do get two of those three games at home, but you guys have yep. to travel out to Notre Dame in late October, a team you guys obviously beat at home in 
you know, a hurricane last year. Um, oh, that was fun. <laughs> that was that was one of the ugliest games. I, I am a uh, I am a Notre Dame fan as well. Grew up a big Notre Dame fan, Will, and that was one of the uglier games I have ever seen, just from a pure football perspective. It was um, something. It was something to watch. I, I tell yeah, you, yeah, it was. Um, I I do expect Notre Dame to be better, so I'm expecting that game in South Bend to be uh, another another tough game, and hopefully the weather's a little bit better there in October. Um, but looking at the schedule, uh, what do you think as far as like a record prediction or maybe some trends in the schedule, um, some things to look for that maybe I've missed or, you know, where are your general implications of the schedule? So the, the biggest thing for me is they have to beat South Carolina, that, that they have to start the season off on the right foot. And that's, you know, we all wonder what, what the hell South Carolina is going to look like this year. Um, and, you know, it's still an SEC team. It's still a, a name brand team because they've been they've had a good football team, you know, within the last you know 10 to 15 years that it, it's important to win that game and, and get off on the right foot because you've got a couple of cupcakes after that with Marshall and Furman before you have to hit the road and play Florida State, who is always, always a tough team in Tallahassee, um, you know. Since Florida State joined the ACC, you know, since kind of like the late 90s, NC State has had uh, an ability to play Florida State pretty tough. It tends to happen more often, though, in Raleigh. Um, so that that's going to be a really tough game um, for the Wolfpack. But the good news is if, if, if they can get a win in that game, they follow that up with Syracuse, who is going to be better than they were last year. I think Dino Babers is a great coach. Um, they're, they're still not going to be, you know, a, a super good team. So that's, especially with that being a, a game in Raleigh, that's a game that NC State should win. And follow that up with a short week when they play Louisville on Thursday night when they're going to wear um, all black. Um, they, there's going to be some fancy festivities for that night game. Um, that's three Atlantic teams right there. And if you can win two out of three or three out of three of that group, you know, you're really setting yourself up well to, um, to take control of that division. And the fortunate thing for the rest of the schedule after that is you don't have to play two of the toughest teams from the coastal division in Virginia Tech, Miami, you know, NC state's fortunate that they have to play, you know, Pittsburgh on the road versus, you know, having to go to Blacksburg or having to go down to Miami. Um, or Atlanta, or Atlanta. Or Atlanta, because that, <laughs> that Georgia Tech game always is a is tough to watch. <laughs> they, that offense just gives people fits, man. But um, the, uh, the, the rest of that sets up well in terms of the opponents. Um, it's just... From a road home standpoint, you've got after the Louisville game, four of the next six are all on the road. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be difficult in that regard. But they are fortunate that you know the Clemson game is at home, and that you know I fully believe that if NC State is a one loss team going into that game, and Clemson is either a one loss team or an undefeated team that you have a very high likelihood that you might get college game day in Raleigh that weekend. There's a lot that needs to happen between now and then, 
but that's just my pie in the sky prediction that they could get um, the game day crew here in, in Raleigh um, that first weekend in November. Um, but after that game, um, you've got Boston College on the road who, for some reason, NC State always has issues with Boston College in, in all of the major sports really recently. Um, they've struggled with them in football. Uh, the basketball team lost to Boston College recently. And I was actually up in Boston uh, in April when the baseball team traveled up there and played Boston College at Fenway in absolutely miserable conditions and lost that game too. So for whatever reason, they're, the Wolfpack are kind of snake bit by Boston College right now. But that is a game that you should win. Um, Winston-Salem has been kind of a house of horrors for the Wolfpack the last you know, 10, 15, 20 years. But... Um, they they should win that game as well, and then you wrap up against the that team in light blue from Chapel Hill, which you always want to win that game. So there's there's a lot on the front end of this schedule that if NC State can take advantage of, they can really set their own destiny as to what they want to do this season. Um, so, like I said, it's important for them to get out of the gate early and get some wins, particularly that South Carolina game. Because um, if they want to get to eight, nine wins, those are the games they got to win. Well, I I look at this schedule and the game that sticks out to me, and I, I am nothing if not a tortured sports fan. Okay, I'm an Atlanta sports fan. I'm a Georgia Tech fan. I'm a Louisville <laughs> fan. And where that last part comes into play is I was actually live and in person as I watched Louisville just get completely and totally embarrassed on a Thursday night last year against Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, and I look at that game, and I, I've told Mike this before. I'm actually, as, as a Louisville fan and someone who, who follows that program, I've got no reason to believe right now that, that, uh, that Louisville's offensive line issues are going to be fixed going mm-hmm. into this year or they're going to be significantly better in any way. And given what NC State has in the front seven, I'm going to take the Wolfpack to win that game at home on a Thursday night. And I think that is what vaults them up into a, a third place in the Atlantic type of situation. I don't know if I can trust them to beat Clemson or Florida State yet. Um, it's going to be Clemson tough. Is actually, Clemson is an interesting matchup as well, especially, again, I'm going to just ride NC State's defense as I make these predictions. But um, I think that's an interesting matchup. But ultimately, I look at the schedule. I, I don't know if I like them at Notre Dame, but all the rest of them – I give NC State a real good chance here, and I, I think I'm going to go with a 9-3 and three prediction, but more importantly, third place in the Atlantic. Mike's real mad because I think I'm, I'm stealing his thunder here. He was, he was going to go out on a limb and go the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> literally with everything you just said, I love NC State against Louisville because the front seven has been giving Louisville's offensive line fits. Um, the Houston game. The Kentucky game, Kentucky's front seven is pretty solid as well. And then in the bowl game against LSU, we all know that's a really good defensive line. Uh, Lord knows Louisville didn't have any answers there. Um, I love NC State in that home game against Louisville. Going to be a night game. It'll be a tough atmosphere to come in as an opposing team. It always is going to NC State anyway, no matter what the record is, uh, just because the fan base is so raucous, and that's a stadium that holds the sound pretty well. Um, Yeah, I – 
like NC State against South Carolina. Um, obviously, I was joking about the Furman game. I love NC State there. <laughs> and against Marshall. Um, don't love them against Florida State because Florida State is, in my opinion, the the conference champion this year. Yep, um, I, I agree there. Um, Syracuse, I, I think you win that game. I think you beat Louisville. I don't love um, – I, I, the, the Pitt game is, is one that always sneaks up on people, but I don't think Pitt's going to be that good this year. So I, I do like NC State there. I, I, a Notre Dame fan, I admit this is a biased pick. I think that game will be closer in South Bend than a lot of people think it will be. Um, but I think also some people will take the game last year into consideration when NC State beat them in that monsoon. Um, I, I do like Notre Dame there to win. Um, and I think NC State loses the following week at home to Clemson as well, um, but then wins the final three games. You guys will beat BC and Wake. You, you're the much better team. And the North Carolina game at the end of the year, Will, congratulations. You guys will get another rivalry win under your belt there. So I got NC State. I hope so. Also, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and, and if not, <laughs> you, can, you can come back in, uh, in a couple months and we'll all talk about it. Uh, uh, yeah, definitely. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with 9-3 and three too. Everything Joey just said rings clear with me with, the, with this team. I, I love NC State's defense. I think the offense – you know, definitely isn't losing as much as everybody thinks that they are from the outside with Matt Days heading elsewhere and, and moving on. Um, so I like NC State to also be 9-3. and three. I like them also to break into the top three in the Atlantic Division for the first time in a long time. Yeah, that I, I think that's I think there's a strong possibility there. Uh, the biggest thing that they're going to have to do is to just – they can't afford to lose a game against a team they should win, they should beat. And I think this is going to be the year where they take that step and they finally break through. Uh, that Louisville game is definitely one that I've had circled as a potential one that they could break through because it is Thursday night. It's going to be a raucous atmosphere. You mentioned Louisville's O-line issues um, against you know NC State's tough front seven. There's a lot of opportunity there. I think that game will be closer than than you guys think because I think Lamar Jackson is just awesome. But uh, the, there's a lot of possibility there for State to get that game. I'm really interested to see what's going to happen with Clemson this year because they're you know, coming off a national title. They've got you know a lot of changes on their roster. Can they sustain the phenomenal season they had last year? We'll see. Um, I know for a fact that that game is going to be circled on a lot of Wolfpack players' calendars to try and you know get some measure of revenge for not getting that win last year um, at, at Clemson. So if, I, I really want to go out on a limb and say that they can go 10-2, and two, but NC State has only had one double-digit win season um, in the last twenty some odd years, so I think I'm going to go nine and three as well. I like it. Will, would you put it past them to uh, to lose something that we're not expecting them to at this point, or do you think that they hold the standard NC State serve and only lose the games they're supposed to? If they're going to lose a game that they're not supposed to, it's going to happen because they beat Clemson and they'll lose to Boston College on the road the next week. It's just, like, that's been an MO that's happened with NC State for as long as I've been a fan. Like, back in the 90s when Mike O'Kane was coach, they went up to Syracuse when they had Donovan McNabb and beat them, and then the following week they lost to our putrid Baylor team. 
So there's there's a lot of precedent for this kind of behavior with the Wolfpack. So we'll see. Um, I I want to think that they're going to get through this season without any kind of hiccup like that, and, and they've got a lot of talent to be able to do that. Um, but we'll see. Gosh, I'm looking at that now, and if they beat Clemson, a road trip to Boston College the following week would be like the letdown game to end all letdown it games. Really, like, it really would, yes. Good grief. Uh, okay, so it looks like it should be an interesting, fun, potential breakout year for NC State in 2017. Uh, I think I'm bought in on this. Mike, I don't know about you. It seems like you are as well. So I'm bought in, but uh, if we're wrong, we're wrong. It's one of those things, you know. It, what, what is well, the prediction anyway? Hell, like we are not wrong about things ever. So um, we're just going to continue that trend here with NC State. Um, Will, this has been awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your insights with us. Can you tell the people where they can go find your stuff? Sure, yeah. You can find me on uh, backingthepack.com. You'll see – I haven't had much go up there this summer, but you'll see during the football season I do Q&A posts with – the football guys from the other SB Nation sites of the teams that we play, or if they don't have an SB Nation site, I'll try to find somebody on Twitter that does write about them. Um, but uh, as I mentioned on Twitter, you can find me there at Thrillis4. Uh, was my college nickname for some reason, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's where you can find me there. I'm pretty frequently on Twitter, much to the chagrin of my wife. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's fun times. It's allowed me to meet a lot of awesome people. Awesome. Well, we appreciate you joining us. Like like you said, backinthepack.com. If you're looking for NC State athletics coverage in any way, shape, or form, uh, you guys do an awesome job. So I, I would recommend that people go check it out if, if anybody's looking for it. Um, but again, Will, thank you so much for joining us. This has been awesome. You know, Please come back again soon. You're welcome anytime. And uh, we yeah, look forward to I'd talking to you again soon. I'd love to, guys. Anytime you want to have me on, let me know. Awesome. Thanks, Will. All right, that's Will Thompson of BackingThePack.com talking about NC State this fall. Should be a fun season. Go check out his stuff again on Twitter or on uh, the SB Nation Network. Mike, we got to get out of here. we got some more previews we got to record. But until next time, they can find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRSJoey. He is at Mike McDaniel ACC, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. You can send us an email with your thoughts and your feedback and your you know requests of songs for the podcast. I don't know. Send us whatever to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nice. All right. That'll work. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes. You can find us on Google Play. You can find us on SoundCloud. And recently we figured out you could find us on Overcast on the app on the iPhone and uh, Android devices. So please do that. Uh, Mike, where else can they find us on the social medias? Joey, they can find us on facebook.com slash basketball conference. Rate our podcast, review our podcast, listen to all our podcasts there, as well as everywhere else that Joey just mentioned. You bet your ass you can find us on Facebook. Go find it, facebook.com slash basketball conference. Uh, all right, Mike, this has been fun. we got to get out of here. Uh, you want to do this again soon? Absolutely, buddy. All right, sounds good. Well, for Mr. Mike McDaniel and Mr. Will Thompson – My name is Joey Weaver. Thank you guys for listening, and until next time, go ACC.